The Forum at 8 with Sakina Kamwendo on AM Live. The Forum at 8 with Sakina Kamwendo. It's eight minutes after eight. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Forum at Eight. And uh, our first, that is you and I for this year. And uh, this morning, we're looking at expectations for the year 2017. Now, many South Africans would describe 2016 as a very difficult year, both on the political and economic fronts. Unemployment figures worsened, food prices skyrocketed, amongst many other issues. And so this morning, we want to hear from you what is on your list of expectations expectations for 2017 it can be social political economic whatever it is tell us what your expectations are the number to dial 0891-104-208 and you can sms us on 34701 tweet or facebook am live on safm or at sakina kamwendo and we're still using that hashtag am live now joining us for the discussion uh, chief economist at pan-african capital dr iraj obedient thanks for your time this morning Good morning, Sakina, and good morning to the listeners and the best of 2017. And to you. We also have a motivational speaker and political analyst uh, at uh, Serve Leadership Development Institute, uh, Jock Matthew Agai. Thanks for your time as well. Good morning, Sakina, and good morning to your listeners, and a happy new year. Well, thank you so much. And to everybody who is listening, I hope 2017 actually uh, delivers, turns out to be everything that you hope it will be. So let's just start by asking the panelists, Dr. Abedian, what are your expectations for 2017? What's top of your list? I think top of my list is surprises. Um, uh, Most of them negative surprises. Um, Number two, heightened uncertainty. Um, uncertainty is part of socioeconomic life, but this extreme, um, mostly leadership-driven uncertainty is what we're going to experience across the globe, including our own land. And the third one, as a result of it, extreme volatility. Uh, we had, uh, over the past few years, uh, a great deal of volatility, but now we're going to go to a different scale um, because of the key unknowns in the political leadership on, on the stage in North America, Europe, Asia, Middle East. And finally, uh, a decent social political tension and risk, uh, again, because we have divided societies, um, societies that once upon a time we thought they are united, be it United Kingdom, United States, United Europe, they have proven to be deeply divided. So those are the top four on my list. And, uh, Mr. Guy, what would be on the top of your list? Uh, I think uh, politically uh, it's, it's going to be interesting in South Africa, uh, particularly the development of uh, what will happen on the ANC succession debate. Uh, the second thing is that there will be numerous activities that will uh, transpire in Africa, particularly places like Congo and other countries in Africa whereby we are expecting uh, elections to be conducted. Uh, also, the idea of the Christmas Fall campaign, I'm sure it's going to take uh, a new on the tone uh, this year. And uh, the issue of race, we cannot uh, do without that. There will be a lot of mistakes, but at the same time, we will learn so that uh, next time we will see how to implement uh, uh, issues re- re- related to race. Uh, uh, I would just say, particularly the parliament, uh, I think this is an opportunity like this year. Uh, if, 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 if a law can be passed against uh, 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 this thing, uh, racism, 
uh, these are the major uh, issues that, that I think will be relevant this year. And uh, we also join now by Hassan Logat, who's a social commentator. Hassan, thanks for joining us this morning. And uh, what are your key expectations for 2017? Well, uh, the, for years, people have been saying that uh, civil society will become an oppositional force in our politics. Now, with the, with the fracas in, in Kosatu and its own efforts to redefine its role, uh, tensions inside the ANC, I think that civil society is poised to play a bigger role in our society, given the marches around Kevin Gordon, around Crazy, and all the civil society uh, new campaigns. There's an issue there. So for me, one big actor would be how a more autonomous civil society begins to play an oppositional role to established power. But of course, with that, there are dangers in that we are looking at uh, uh, the president and the state security agencies being fingered for for helping to form opposition unions, which is reminiscent of the old apartheid times when Buteleri and the apartheid regime tried to form UUSA in opposition to Kosato and others. So clearly, that is one area. But I have already begun to touch on the second one, was about the role of state institutions, state intelligence, and state security agencies generally playing a role in the body politic because there they are involved in forming oppositional groups, they're monitoring the actions of civil society groups. Uh, clearly, they're not keeping the citizens safe, they're keeping leaders or some leaders safe. So the whole role of the state agencies will be more pronounced during this time. And, of course, these are confined or defined by, by international actors such as like uh, Turkey, Russia, the deal that they now made, which which uh, seems to have marginalized the United States. So they, I think an increasing role for international, uh, new international players. But this brings about, you know, my second point, uh, coming back to it about secrecy and uh, fighting the intelligence agencies. This whole nuclear deal with Russia uh, that, is, that is on the table, not publicly discussed, is part of the issue that civil society will have to deal with bringing in international forces, international big players, uh, Trump and others will be involved. So, so clearly for me, we will have an increased focus around looking at the international politics uh, since Trump will be in power very soon, formally at least. So let me read uh, some of what our listeners' expectations are for 2017, not too different from your own. Uh, Simlindile says, I expect the Hawks and the NPA to be truly independent this year and not uh, lackeys of the president. Unati Hrudbom says, I'm expecting the ANC to shut up and deliver to the poor. Uh, John Tane says, um, the year of truth. It's about time the ANC's elective conference... Um, of division, factionalism, and battling uh, for the gravy train. I suppose that that comes to an end. Pora Manoto says, this is going to be a watershed year, legally and politically. JZ783, NPA, IPAD, Hawks, ANC conferences, wait and see. And we've already seen uh, the impact that that has had on our economic situation in South Africa. And Dr. Abedian, you did talk about, um, you know, the heightened uncertainty certainty, the political risk that we do face. So just from what the listeners' expectations are, do you think that we will see um, 
the role of state institutions changed during 2017 because it was a mess in 2016? Absolutely. It's not going to be an event. Uh, It's going to be a process. It's taken about 10 years um, to basically decimate these institutions, populate them with inappropriate, underskilled, uh, and uh, unsuitable individuals. It will take a few years to... Um, to cleanse them and to put them back to where the Constitution is, uh, is, is intended to, to have them. Uh, will 2017 be a turning point? Uh, we all hope so. Uh, and it all depends on uh, the key elective Congress of December 2017 for the ANC. Uh, and in a run-up to that, my presentation, uh, there will be a lot of surprises, a lot of uncertainty, a lot of tension, um, and uh, because we have a, a, a dominant party that is war with itself, uh, both ethically, politically, and organizationally. So it's very difficult to expect that um, suddenly a silver bullet will arise and hoaxes and salts and all the other agencies that they mentioned will be cleansed and converted. It will be a tough tough process of re-establishing them. Mm. And, you know, it's all good and well for the political elite, for those who are economically um, insulated. But what about the poor? What about those jobs numbers? Where are the jobs going to come from? How is the economic growth going to come about? Bebe King says, economically, I foresee a recession towards the end of the year. Uh, Politically, there will be more backstabbings. Do you agree that the economic forecast is still that tenuous that we could move into a recession? Um, certainly we could. Um, uh, if the political divisions um, become far more tense than we've had, uh, remember in the run-up to the local elections, we have the number of killings at the local, mostly KZN and, and some in Eastern Cape. But if the national divisions become far more pronounced, the political att- the attention, the cabinet and political leadership can completely we are off from the economy and get into the uh, politics of it. And, of course, the economy, which is subjected to this level of political instability, does run into recessionary phase. And bearing in mind that not only South Africa, but globally, we have also very unfavorable economic conditions, both in the East and in the West. And uh, just coming to those economic conditions, but, uh, you know, the political aspect of it and with a Donald Trump presidency in the offing, uh, at Moya Manala says, ascendancy of Trump will redefine our body politic globally and locally. Uh, The ANC at a crossroads with itself, either Cyril or death. Has it come to that, uh, Mr. Akai? Uh, yeah, you see, uh, the coming of Mr. Trump will actually uh, redefine uh, certain things within the African Muslim politics. Um, I think he is a man that is a very, very straight to the point. Um, what will happen is that, you see, our dependence on issues of aid and whereby where our politics is being influenced by foreign influences, uh, it seems with the coming of Trump, there will be reduction in this kind of influences and as a result it is likely that uh, that uh, that that african politics might might take a new tone whereby africans will fully be be involved in the decision making uh, regarding who actually this thing governs them 
And I also think that in terms of trade, uh, it seems like Trump is very, very clear on the issue of what Americans will benefit first. Uh, it will also be able to help African leaders to sit down and probably see also when we trade with America, uh, what is our own benefit. So I think it will, it will actually change the, 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 the system of governance as well as trade uh, interrelations between Africa and as well as uh, America. But what would make you think that? Why would that happen? Uh, uh, Trump is, 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 is seems a, 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 a very very clear uh, on the on the on the issue of influencing local politics. You could take an example of what happened in Syria. Uh, I think Trump uh, Trump is of the opinion that uh, uh, Syrians should be allowed uh, to to make a choice of what they actually want, and uh, foreign influences should not influence the nature of uh, of governance in western Syria. And it's is the same. It is likely that the same system could be could be applied within Africa, uh, and you know it's it's been speculated during the campaign period uh, that uh, a lot of things have been said by by Trump, which many see that it may be against Africans. But I've seen that in the new cabinet that he's forming, uh, quite a number of people are are, are, are involved that have good relations with different Africans and including African Americans. So because of that. It is, it, it is likely that uh, a, a trade system and even local governance can, can actually change within Africa. Hassad Logan, what's your take on that? Uh, you know, what does a Trump presidency actually hold for Africa in particular? And uh, do you think that things will change much as a result of his presidency? Yeah, I mean, I wanted to just touch briefly on the increased uh, impoverization of people has turned on a greater organization and an effort to to reorganize. So you're having a new union formation that may be launched in March uh, where Zelensky Mavavi and others are involved. It signals a great, a great response to years of kind of condoning uh, uh, the ANC's neoliberal economic policy. So I think in a way... Uh, the, the, the economic pressures has forced many in civil society to start putting their heads together to avoid the, le- the luxury of, of differing unnecessarily, you know, without principle. So I think that is, there's a link. The increased marginalization of poor people in the discourse has forced them uh, to work together. So greater discussion with mining communities, with NGOs, with unions is probably nothing. Regarding Donald Trump, I mean, I think that that, uh, I I often quote uh, an Iranian friend who said, when America is looking inwards, uh, you know, at their own problems, it's a good chance for the other country to have some peace and reflect on what they have to be doing. So I guess in a way, it may be good for us if we can get a a greater assertive sub-regional economic uh, social solidarity relationship with SADC, a more equitable one, not just uh, where where elites continue to loot the resources of, of Africa. So, you know, if we can get that vision going in this time while America is looking at its own problems, it may be very good for Africa, but I doubt our leaders are up to it. And just going back to uh, the labor movement there and where they find themselves at this particular point in time, no real new players except for perhaps new formation under new names, but, but same actors. Uh, so, so why should we expect anything different on that front? 
Yeah, I mean, I mean, Sakina, you raise a, a useful point. The one difference is that, that when when Vavi and others were in Kosati from 2010 onwards, they were trying to return to the masses, uh, back to basics, and they, every move of trying to build coalitions with NGOs, with other social movements, was met with suspicion by the ANC. Given that that umbilical cord has been broken, the possibility now for an independent formation to think anew, out of the box, out of the confines of of, of the history of the ANC and how we did things, uh, augurs well. But, you know, it's not only one side organizing. I mean, there are very progressive voices inside the Communist Party now asking for greater autonomy, probably asking whether they should go on their own. It looks like the debates are far more real now, given that the ANC is limping, is a limping danger in, before the next elections. So we have the pressure of an, a change in international context, but also the two years or so before elections and with ANC receiving some bruising, the context is different and people are beginning to smell some blood. So the renewals inside the ANC, inside COSART and others, it's just good for democracy and I think that, uh, let's see how it, how it plays out. But the biggest new actors are those outside the ANC. But as you say, Sakina, that if Mumsa and others don't bring about a new practice, a new high level of democratic participation that, that was evident in the unions, uh, in the early formation, you know, raise the bar, increase women's participation and leadership. You know, things that, that the old unions and the new unions still grapple with. You know, if they don't change that, clearly, in a few months' time, we will be the same old actors. It doesn't mean that people are the same, but the confines are not there. It's just up to them whether they've got the courage to grab and build a new policy that is unifying for all those who are marginalized outside. We're also hearing increased uh, rumblings around uh, the crisis, around the validity of the pre-94 settlement, um, which hasn't for most people delivered on the initial promises and people voicing their disgruntlement around this right now. Dr. Abedian, how do you foresee that impacting uh, developments this year? I think uh, that to me is uh, again a, a, a domestic manifestation of another expectation that people had from globalization. They had expectations from all kinds of super cycle of growth uh, in the United States, in Europe, uh, everywhere. So where people do not see the benefit of economic growth, political stability, economic integration globally, they begin to question the, the initial assumptions. And back in 1994, the assumption was that the political leadership will remain focused on the uh, so-called and actual uh, uh, legacies of apartheid, which was severe and widespread and required two, three generations to get rid of them. In a state, very quickly, the political leadership changed uh, tax, so to speak, and its focus became on self-enrichment and power and, and all that. So the society feeling that they've been um, cheated. Um, so they are not trusting the leadership. They, they want to take matters in their own hand. And the citizen activism or citizenry revolution globally is, is manifest in South Africa is, is, is no different. In Europe or in UK, people are questioning their leadership. Uh, and, and so in, in Europe, because they have been given promises that uh, things will be different. We look back since 1994, uh, we see the extent of poverty, unemployment, maldistribution of income, uh, inefficiency of the state, and 
sheer political arrogance is as bad as it was in under apartheid. So people are saying, so let's, let's rethink, let's rearrange, and let's re-agree. And I think, uh, as one of the colleagues mentioned, this year has to be, uh, as we've seen in already in 2016, a year that citizens across the globe, including South Africa, are going to become a lot more assertive, a lot more um, distrusting of, 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 of their leadership, and a lot more vocal about their distrust as opposed to uh, keeping it to themselves. And, you know, speaking of uh, that on the local front, uh, looking at the African National Congress, uh, looking at uh, the issue of legitimacy around President Jacob Zuma, perhaps not as strong within the ANC as outside of the uh, party, but the African National Congress, this is, of course, a massive year for them. Uh, They will go to an elective Congress. How do you see this playing out for them? And what... I guess, you know, perhaps a bit of an unfair question, but what would be the best outcome for the ANC here? Oh, uh, sorry. (laughs) No, sorry, I forgot. Uh, Let me ask um, uh, Mr. Agai. Yes, um, you see, the the, the ANC has learned a lot uh, last year, uh, even though there are no clear changes that have been made, uh, because what the majority of people are expecting uh, is not really what has happened. Uh, people are actually talking about the uh, the, 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 the top six. Uh, before I answer the issue that you you are listening speaking about, there is something that is very important. Uh, like the former speaker has said, that uh, that there is a quest for people to actually experience governance, to actually participate in democracy, and as a result, uh, people will begin to quest very soon for an idea that is possible to vote for an individual, not a party. Because uh, people are a little bit concerned now that, no, when we vote a party, a party sit down to choose their own candidates. Uh, a, a number of people are dissatisfied with that. Now, on, this, on the succession debate, which is actually very, very, very important, the issue has already been politicized, leading to uh, un, un, uh, unheard voices uh, that, are, that, are, that are dividing the ANC. Uh, I'm sure that uh, 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 the, the, the major names in the ANC now, it has to do with uh, Mam Nkosizana Zuma and Mr. Cyril Ramaphosa. If the ANC did not handle the debate carefully, if the debate is not handled well carefully, and if the succession is not made carefully, uh, it is possible that some people have been speculating that it may lead to division of the ANC. But well, have, what does I, that I, mean? How do they handle it I, carefully? Yes. Uh, you see, it can be denied. But I'm telling you that the truth is that there is no way you will say that uh, tribal politics or ethnic politics is not involved in the ANC at the moment. And there are people that are agitating that no, the coming of Nkosana in Dlamini Zuma is the promotion of the Zulumization of, of South African gov- uh, governance. They feel like an idea of saying that a minority tribe, the so-called minority tribe, in which uh, Mr. Cyril Ramaphosa belongs, they feel that it's not right for such a tribe to rule the country. And the second factor is that the whole idea is that the whole idea of, of ethnicity in the ANC is that since a, uh, if it also a person uh, has ruled uh, South Africa, uh, Mandela after Mandela in Beki. Now is the turn of the Zulu, so it has to be after Zuma, then a Zulu person has to rule, be it a man or a woman. Now, it can be denied 
but it plays a role in this, and, uh, and, 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 and people know this very well. Now, okay, I'm going to I'm gonna pause you there because we'll come back to this after the news break. We'll also take some calls. What are your expectations for 2017? It's the moment you've all been waiting for. The Forum at 8 with Sakina Kamwendo on AM Live. The Forum at 8 with Sakina Kamwendo. And thank you so much for tuning in to the, uh, the Forum at 8 this morning. We're talking about your expectations for 2017. And joining us for the discussion is Dr. Iraj Abedian, uh, Jock Matthew Agai, as well as Hassan Logat. But I want to hear from you. What are your expectations politically, socially, economically? It doesn't really matter. What do you expect to take place in 2017? Tabo says, I bring a positive attitude to 2017 and I hope most of us do. It's the least we can do to carry us through. Debza Ian Masheko says, I expect the EFF to grow its membership and the ANC to be divided even more in 2017. Revolutionary uh, at Common Man 18 says, um, the Trump administration will test nations' loyalties to China, including South Africa and Germany, uh, will be more isolated in Europe. And uh, also, especially uh, Germany will be more isolated, especially if Merkel wins another term in office. There will be a rise of nationalist parties in Europe. And as we know, um, uh, uh, Germany is going to elections this year. France is going to elections, amongst other countries. So it's going to be interesting to see what those outcomes are there. And then uh, just a few others before I go to the lines as well. Um, at Mungeka, Kenneth says, I expect the ANC to rise above the factional groups by electing outside popularized names to avoid another strategic opposition. And the Don Dada, Dada says... Um, Economically, I expect anti-corruption. Politically, Zuma and Peter Mutarika must resign. And socially, I expect more jobs. And Ayaka says, I'm expecting uh, the EFF to shake parliament more and more. And we want a corrupt, free government. Okay, let me just uh, take some calls and then um, uh, I'll get our panelists to weigh in. And if you still had uh, some lingering comments that you wanted to make uh, before the news break, feel free to add them uh, when we are answering these questions or comments from our listeners. Mtandeki in Kruenstadt, good morning to you. Hi, good morning, Sakin, and compliments to the new year and to your guests and listeners as well. Thank you, and all the same to you. Sakina, there are two things I want to raise out outrightly. The first one is that I wish that our highest parliament must firmly uphold the rules in its application regardless who the person is, especially how we saw our parliament was so disgraced many a times. I'll definitely hold on that particular view strongly. But last one, Sakina, I want to raise is in relation to some of the so-called expectations raised by your guests there. You can read the provoke discussions, and my view is that at this point in time, they are having most of the focus, negative expectations as outcomes. I'm therefore of the view that when we deal with matters like ANC, ANC is clearly open to deal with challenges, but dealing with trade union challenges, as Logan has said, I know him very well, I'm of the view that these matters, as we are so badly applying our minds, 
must all these expectations add to the building of a positive country, not negative uh, mindset, because some of them are really preoccupied with the ANC politics. I'm of the view that the country must be focused, and matters like that belonging to the ANC, let's give the space to the movement to deal with those matters. But finally, I hope the year will be a very great one for us. Mm. So, so, so let me just ask, does that mean that nobody else should weigh in, have an opinion on what happens within the African National Congress? An opinion and expectation are two different matters. And then therefore, when you raise expectations, that expectation, my view, should have a positive outcome. But once you present expectation with a negative connotation, that's where the big challenge is. Okay, that's Mtandegi in Kruenstad. Chris and Durban, what are your expectations? Uh, second and guess. The first one is really to deal with the issues of leadership, which I think a lot of people have spoken about. And I hope and pray that we stop this big name politics. For an example, Hassan has mentioned Zavi about six or seven times just in this topic. So the moment that we start reducing leadership, to, to particular individuals. That's where we really dis- we divide ourselves. And that, for me, I think is the start of our biggest problems. We know what big men politics has done for my, a lot of African countries. It has led to wars. And so we, I think we need to stop there and also admit that we have a serious crisis of and in leadership in South Africa. But the second one, which is most important, is, is for us to deal with the crisis in education, both at basic level as well as at higher level. One of the things that we have never mentioned is to say a lot of these students who want fees uh, must fall. The current throughput at higher education is 20%. So if there are 100 students who start university this year, only 20% will graduate in time. And that, for me, is a serious problem. We can't keep throwing money at those things without really addressing why are students either dropping out and failing as well. So those, for me, are the two critical issues for 2017. Thank you so much. Good point there, uh, Chris in Durban. Peter Wiley in Grahamstown, good morning to you. Hi, Sakina. My my expectations are actually largely wishes and hopes, and they hinge very much on the power of the media. And uh, I want to put the ball in your court and also Shwe Shwe, because I really love the way you conduct yourselves on radio. But I want to suggest that you give this forum a longer period, maybe start at 7.30, because basically what I'd like to suggest to you is that we hold people to account and actually look for answers. And I'll list, I've got five issues here which I'd like you to look at. You have already agreed with me earlier, well, later last year, I should say, on the land issue that we're going to look at a, at a period of time mm-hmm. to look at, the, at, at um, how to solve this land issue because we continually revert to it. Google and Quinty made some pretty sound statements this morning on the land issue. Then there's security. Um, the police accepted my proposal. I don't think you've actually looked at that, and uh, RSG has actually interviewed me on that one. The third one is uh, uh, improvement in political maturity and education in the way that I feel people should really be uh, educated in in what qualities we really need in a leader so that they cannot just foist a leader upon us who is going to uh, run this country down the wrong road. Fourthly, education. We should be looking at what South African Democratic Teachers Union is doing to this country and we should bring in the opposition parties and see if there's an option to this.
It even affects our rugby team. The Springbok rugby team would be doing far better if those teachers uh, gave more time after hours and even in hours to, to coaching rugby instead of making all sorts of excuses. Fifthly, road safety. I'm going to give a, a proposal to our Minister of uh, Transport about road safety and we really need to stop talking every year when it comes to a major celebration like Christmas or New Year. We are going to have zero tolerance. We need to take some practical, low-cost, sound measures and bring in the public to actually uh, embrace road safety because it cannot go on the way it is. Those are the issues. My name is spelled W-Y-L-R-E. It is not rocket science to find me. If the other listeners uh, approve of what I've said, please contact me. And thank you, Sakina. Let's have a longer period and look for answers on the radio because the media is powerful. Well, thank you, Peter Wiley in Grahamstown. Bonagele in Cape Town. Good morning. A very good morning and compliment of the new season, uh, SK. All the best to you, Bonagele. Nice talking to you once again, 2017. Uh, look, it's not too late for the president of this country, JZ, Zuma, to step down, to say, look, uh, what he said is not going to step down. It's not too late for him. That's my suggestion, my advice as well, to say, if he loves this country, he loves this organization that is called African National Congress. Uh, to say, look, guys, I'm stepping down as the president of this country and, the, uh, and of the ANC as well. And for Saudi so, Mutsonen, he must be fired. The way he ruled or he was ruling, the way he was doing things at that SABC, he must just be fired. Thank you very much. Thank okay. you so much, uh, Bonagele, and all the best to you this year. Let me read some of the SMSs. Mpo says, um, we hope for change, but I fear it will be same old, same old. Opposition parties taking President Zuma to court to get him to do the right thing. Uh, this one says, school registration is still an issue, and as a parent, I'm struggling to get my child into school. Hopefully, these are some of the things that will change. This one says, will South Africa finally implement the measures uh, that will bring our road safety in line with a country like Australia, for example, in 2017. Uh, Peter Wiley also raises that issue. This one says, uh, me, I expect love love and more love giving all year long and uh, another one says civil society and courts will force uh, the NPA to charge Zuma the Hawks boss and Cloudy will be fired other parastatals will also be investigated Uh, Galweni says I think rural people will be trained to produce their own food in 2017 Um, this one says unless Jesus Christ comes soon to rescue Zuma the ANC will continue on its demise trajectory. Uh, Khadi says, I wish everyone understands that South Africa belongs to South African nationals. Living in a country does not mean the country belongs to you. And Mary in Peter Maritzburg says, I hope that blacks will start making themselves independent of whites, Indians, Chinese, etc. and start creating their own jobs. That's from Mary in Peter Maritzburg. Okay, let's answer some of those uh, comments and questions there. Uh, look at the expectations raised uh, by our listeners. I want to start with uh, Chris and Peter both raising the issue of education. Now, we know that there is a deep systemic crisis at all levels as far as education is concerned. Uh, significant government resources are being spent on education, uh, but the situation 
is improving somewhat, but perhaps not at the pace that most South Africans would like to see. What needs to happen there, Hassan Logat? Yeah, um, uh, I must uh, accept such uh, criticism. I'm duly chastised. I only use Ravi's name as a way of uh, a shorthand to try and talk about the new initiatives around NUMSA and others. But quite clearly, we do deal with individuals. They have to answer a lot more because Ravi himself spoke about blood on the floor and Zuma. The same could be said about Malema, their role in helping to bring Zuma to power. So clearly, it is not correct to focus on individuals, but I was just identifying the groupings and saying that the shackles are somehow off and hopefully some positive things can, can begin to happen. But, you know, uh, uh, similarly, I want to say, and it's not my right to say what should happen in the ANC, but I would like that the Communist Party really remain in alliance if they want to with the ANC, but to stand on their own ticket. So then they can say, we've managed to secure 30% of the vote, 20% of the vote, let's be in an alliance. At present, no one seems to know what their power is, and therefore it makes it weakens the left, weakens the power of the poor. So really, I'm not wedded on, on, on being opposed to one group or the other, but you know, if all these initiatives really live to their full potential, theoretical, political, and the programs, clearly the advance of the working people and the poor will, will, will be on the rise. So that's my wish. As regards education, I, mean, I do think that the, the, uh, the teachers' unions and others have been, in particular subjects, have been often harshly criticized, and I think not, not all of it is misplaced. I've worked for the union myself. Uh, I do think that, that uh, yeah, somehow it appears that too much money is spent at the top and the real program in schools and uh, the diversity of language choices, the quality of education, the democratic accountability to parents and to learners, all that seems to be wasted. But it's all in the literature, it's all written off, it's all in the, you know, it's all there. You know, and I think that uh, some people come in with easy answers, just simply management. I mean, I don't think education should be just about the results, you know, what results are there. Are we making better people? Are the education system producing citizens that can critically relate to others, can can grow uh, a livelihood in their own areas? You know, we need that education. Clearly, I think we've become too results-focused, and as long as the results show that they've got couple of A's and this is past record, so I really think that this discussion is, is really off-topic, you know, that it's, it's too focused on what results are. I mean, I, I, I speak to people in the law societies and others, they say people have passed, they've passed university education and they can't put together a paragraph or two to write a letter. So clearly, you know, the quality of the system is a problem and, you know, we need a total rethink and a separate program to even begin to discuss that. Um, Dr. Abidian, let me ask you, you can weigh in on all of that as well, but uh, also the issue of uh, leadership and leadership crises as uh, put out there by Chris and Peter. Yeah, I think leadership crisis is, is, is one of the critical uh, causes of the problem that we have both domestically uh, on the continent as well as globally. And, and unless we get not leadership, appropriate leadership, the more complex the situation becomes, the more risky the situation, the more sophisticated and important the ethical leadership you require. One of the problems that we have we, we use these terms like leadership crisis and so on, we need to unpack it. 
there is a, there is a problem in my view of ethical leadership leadership who not just in government alone but also in business even in the um, some of the sporting and and uh, and religious organizations the the ethics of service has disappeared and unless we refocus leadership on on the ethical foundation of uh, their office whether they are in sport whether they are in religious organization, whether they're in media, whether they're in the cabinet, uh, we're not going to deal with these issues. And we have a bizarre situation where people call themselves ministers, but their conduct is anything but ministerial in the sense of service, servicing the citizens. And we have people who call themselves CEOs, but their conduct is anything but self-centered greed, and so on and so forth. So I think we, we this... Uh, this crisis that we face domestically and internationally in to a great extent results from the lack of proper ethical leadership. And um, before I move on from that, uh, just looking at that particular issue of ethical leadership and uh, of course speaks to accountability as well. Who do we blame for a lack of accountability? Do we leave that squarely on the shoulders of leadership what role do the citizens have to play in this regard? My view, Sakina, is that citizens have every, every uh, responsibility. We cannot expect that we vote and we just sit down and the rest is, is left to those who have been elected. Uh, we, uh, active citizenry, uh, conscious and ethical citizenry is part of the broader leadership issue challenge that we have. Uh, as one of the listeners mentioned about the role of the parliament, the way it has degenerated, although in 2016 it, it got some uh, sort of oxygen, <laughs> thank God, but uh, it's still got a long way to go to fulfill its role as a parliament, um, as the elected custodians of our democratic uh, constitutional system. But when parliamentarians um, abdicate their responsibility and they behave in this totally um, unethical un- un- conduct, um, then citizens need to, to react to that, citizens need to reorganize and respond to that and do what it takes to refocus institutions of governance in the society along the ethical lines. Well, we're talking about your expectations for 2017. Let's hear from Ismail in Ladysmith. Good morning. Morning to you. Welcome, Ismail. Thank you so much. What are your S- expectations? Sakina, my expectation, first of all, is... Gorman Kashe must resign. Or Why? Because he's so arrogant. When, when he was on your show, or one of the other shows, when the guy asked him what you earn, what he says, oh, it's got nothing to do with you, what I earn. And he stands by firm. He will not let Zuma resign. He is the troublemaker in the ANC. Okay, let me ask you. So, Gweta Mantashe is employed by the African National Congress. Yes, So he's a dictator. Well, you know, your view is most welcome. But if he's employed by the African National Congress, um, why does he have to tell you or I how much he earns? Do you go around telling people how much you earn? But if you're working in in an institute where you're supposed to be transparent... The ANC is so called for transparency, and here we go. A man, his arrogance shows that because he says, he says that first of all, he said Zuma will never resign. 
Now, how can he say that? How can he dictate and say he's not going to resign? Didn't the president say he will not resign? The president said after that, at the time before the, uh, the president to stand down, they asked Mantashe to, to, to uh, you know, to, that Zuma but, must But, but what do you expect Mantashe to say, honestly, Ismail? Because, because if the African National Congress has voted for President Jacob Zuma, yeah. and, um, you know, they've had discussions around this matter, and yeah. they have come out united saying that the president will stay so what do you expect the secretary general to say but you know the the, the old folks of the, the the organization requested him to resign right and he wouldn't resign not because he don't want because government as long as the jacob zuma is there his pockets are lined that's the fact he will not he the person must Get out. They must kick him out. As far as I'm concerned, is Goleman Tasha because he holds the ANC and he realizes now that he's catching a hiding. Okay. Thank you so much, Ismail and Ladysmith. So, uh, Matthew, our guy, does... Uh Gwede Mantashe hold that much sway in the African National Congress. And also please talk to the point that Mtandegi made about uh, Parliament and how Parliament has degenerated. Yeah, um, uh, I think with the coming of the new parties uh, into the parliament, uh, a lot of changes have taken place, uh, particularly the EFF. Um, changes have taken place, uh, and the EFF have been able to voice out whatever they wish uh, uh, publicly and, I mean, in, in the way that they normally do. Uh, 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 in terms of results, in terms of sealing up results whereby uh, service deliveries are being made whereby the lives of people are being changed, uh, whereby the poor have food to eat, whereby, uh, the, the, I mean, education rate is being helped to die. That kind of influence is yet to be felt. But that could be understood in the fact that it is just a new party. You see, 2017 turned out unique for, the, for some of the parties that have just emerged leaders. I'm talking about particularly the DA and the EFF. Now they are able to govern certain, certain different places. People now wait to see whatever they do in 2017, whatever they do will actually influence their future. Because people will now sit and say, what difference does it make when the ANC were ruling and when you are ruling there is there. So this is an opportunity for the, for the, for the party that have made names uh, last year to be able to emerge as great leaders. And speaking about the parliament, uh, it's not only the South African Parliament that practices such, such kind of shenanigans. Uh, if you look at some other countries, including Europe and other parts of Africa, the same kind of thing happens. But what the people expect is, is that, yes, indeed, like the other, uh, my other district colleague has said, Dr. Iraj, that there's a need to, to, to have an organized behavior. Uh, there is a need to be organized so that what is relevant for the people in the parliament is not really the fighting. What is relevant for the people is, has their fighting or has their noise or whatever they do, has it changed the life of the poor people? People want to see their lives being changed. And like the other person have just said about the issue of, uh, just if you can permit me to just make a comment about Mr. Godeman Tashi, uh, uh, like, like you said, he is working for a political party. And uh, the interest of the political party has to confess, and uh, he can't just resign easily. Uh, a lot of things need to be done. But these are the changes that we're talking about that ANC need to sit down. ANC need to sit down and not just make noise and say we will change, we accept responsibility. No, 
practical decisions have to be made. And those decisions have to lead to what people can see. And that will determine their, 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 their distant election rate also in the, in the distant future. And of course, there is so much more to talk about. Uh, but I just want to end on this one, and we don't have much time, so each of you will have a minute to weigh in. Um, uh, last year, we had uh, Nkandla and that matter that needed to be settled. And this year, we have the state of capture report still looming. So what are your expectations in that regard, um, Dr. Abedian? I think my expectation is that much like in Kandla report, the, the Constitutional Court is going to be the ultimate arbiter in this regard, and without a doubt they will uh, pronounce as they did in the in, in the Kandla report. And that, that's a very good thing for South Africa to to to, to be confident that its institutions of uh, the, uh, judiciary is working independently. That's a very good thing. And Hassan Logat, what's your view on that? Yeah, I mean, citizens must continue to organize themselves, put pressure on the Chapter 9 institutions. Some of them are very responsive, like, responsive, like the Human Rights Commission. We don't know what will happen to the public protector. So it's not only Parliament. We need to relive our mandate, take control of these institutions that are supposed to help us. I want to recommend that people watch a video by a very prominent philosopher, Trevor Noah, talking about what South Africa can expect from the Trump <laughs> presidency when he compares Trump to an African leader. President Zuma in particular. It's a really incredible comedy and it's good uh, intellectual input as well. So, Kevin Noir. <laughs> Thanks, Hassan Logan. And uh, Matthew Agai, what's your last uh, word on this? Uh, I think uh, our system of education need to, need to change. Uh, we need to have an education that will influence our thinking, an education system that will make us be creative, an education system that will make us meet to the needs of our nation. We get PhDs, we got masters, but we still travel to Europe and be cleaners and be gardeners. We need to develop a system of education that can meet our needs. I think this is vital. When we do that, then the civil society can have peace and so many other things will take place appropriately. Well, and of course, there are also concerns about crime and citizen safety, uh, serious obstacles for some to doing business in South Africa. And then uh, there are, of course, the more critical macroeconomic challenges, uh, growth uh, in employment and so on and so forth. But let me just end it uh, with a few more comments from our listeners. Uh, Panama Paper Trail says, for my party, 2019 is a marathon and we need endurance and legs uh, to keep up with the pace of the youthful Malema and Musi and Lamini, unfortunately, has no stamina. Uh, this one from Letabo says, I also think it's Cyril or Bust, and Kosazana did well for herself, but I think people will always link her to Jacob Zuma. Peter Henderson says, uh, those who say that 94 sold them out, would they have preferred an Aleppo scenario uh, with everything burnt and tax base overseas? And Edward Temba says, uh, as a tourist guide, my expectation is to see rhino poaching stop start my own business and keep my marriage stronger and Medilale uh, uh, says government must help Everest Heifel steel score metal bring back Isco steel for job creation uh, the year of job creation uh, 2017 that's what it should be